You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Hey, what's up, everybody? It is the week of November 24th, 2014, and this is the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with the creative service director from WEAR Channel 3 and WFGX My 35, Mr. Daniel Hemi. I met Daniel a couple of months ago when I started doing the Friday Night Rivals gig, and he was actually the producer of that show. He was the one responsible for uh, kind of putting all the pieces together and making sure everything was in place uh, for the weekly program. So that I knew that was the first thing that I wanted to ask him was how he thought that went through the producer's eyes and it being the first year that we had ever done anything like that. But in addition to that, we talk about his job at Channel 3, uh, what brought him to Pensacola from Detroit, Michigan, And the cool thing about him is he grew up a huge nerd, and that was instantly a relatable topic to me. So you'll get to hear us talk Pensacon, Star Wars, uh, zombie movies, horror movies, and various things of that nature. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. But before we get to the conversation, there are a couple of things, and speaking of nerdy things, that's kind of a good segue into this. Uh, A couple of things that actually made me geek out over the last couple of days I mentioned last week that I would be getting the new Super Smash Brothers game for the Nintendo Wii U, and I got it, and I haven't done this in a long time, but I literally spent an entire day playing a video game. That's how fun it was. I've been a huge fan of this franchise since it was on the Nintendo 64. I think the premise of it is just fantastic when you put iconic video game characters and have them fight each other. And this new one, to me, is easily the best because it takes all the positives from the games, combines them into one, and when you add HD graphics, a lot of new characters, a lot of new stages, uh, the gameplay is simple, it's easy to start playing, even if you've never played it before. And if you've never played it before, I highly recommend it because I truly think this is one of those games that really anybody can enjoy. So, if you have a Wii U and you don't have this game, you've got to get it. It's easily the best game for the Wii U right now. I I give it, you know, four and a half out of five, just because nothing's perfect. But I I give this my highest recommendation. It's just a fantastic game, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the other thing that made me geek out this past weekend actually happened a few moments ago. I'm recording this intro on Sunday night, but I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but I grew up a huge wrestling fan. Uh, I started watching back in the late 90s, specifically 1998, when WWE was in the highlight or the peak of their Attitude Era, and they were in competition with WCW that was owned by Ted Turner and had all these former WWE guys and everything, but WCW was what I actually started watching first. And from the very beginning, one guy always stood out to me, 
and he had long black hair. He had black and white face paint. He wore a trench coat, and he came down from the rafters with a baseball bat, and he would beat up all the bad guys, and his name was Sting, and his character at that time was based off of the movie The Crow with Brandon Lee, and I specifically remember one of the first times I saw Sting, I knew he came down from the rafters and everything, but this one specific show I watched was broadcast from Panama City, and the wrestling ring was set up in the middle of a giant pool, and obviously there's no roof, so this helicopter flies in, and you see Sting, and he descends off of a cable down into the middle of the ring, and I I was like, that's just the coolest thing ever, because I was like 12 at the time, I think, when that happened, so I was just geeking out like crazy, and the reason why I bring up wrestling is because Sting is the one major WCW wrestler that has never been on WWE television, even after uh, WWE bought WCW back in 2001, he stayed retired. He wrestled for, you know, another smaller company for a few times, but uh, never went to WWE, but that changed tonight. He made his official WWE debut, and it was kind of surreal, to be honest. Like, there are very few wrestling moments left that can possibly happen that can make me have that kind of a reaction, and this was one of them. And I Watching it, I honestly felt like a 12-year-old kid again, and it was just crazy. I'm very curious to see what he does uh, in WWE. I'm hoping that it just leads to him you know, being inducted into their Hall of Fame and then having like a retirement match at WrestleMania. So, And I know he's in his mid-50s now, but he's still in really good shape, and he's I don't think he's had too many major injuries, so... I think after you know his one match, he should probably call it a career. That way he can say he's had one WWE match. But I, I was really excited to see it, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with, uh, with Sting in the mix. And another thing that I wanted to touch on really quick before we get to our conversation with Daniel, the trailer for the movie Jurassic World will be released this Thursday, uh, on Thanksgiving during the football game that will be broadcast on Thursday night. I believe it's on NBC. So if you're watching football, keep your eye out for the premiere of the Jurassic World trailer. There's a 20-second preview of it online, and the cool thing about it is it looks like it's going to have a lot of subtle nods to the original film, which to me is easily the best. I'm not too big a fan of either of the sequels, but I love the first one. I think it was such an innovative movie, and the effects still hold up to this day, even though it was made in the mid-90s. And fun random fact about that, uh, one of my former guests on this show, Steve Wise, is going to be an extra in Jurassic World, so who knows, we might actually see him in the trailer. I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for him. Then Katy Perry was just announced as the halftime performance for the uh, Super Bowl that will be coming up in February. And I I don't really have an opinion on this. I mean, I don't, I don't really listen to her music. But at the same time, I understand that they have to start booking more modern bands and modern singers instead of the 
classic rock like the Rolling Stones or the Who, which they've done in recent years, which I know they did that because of the whole Janet Jackson thing that happened. Well, I think that was actually 10 years ago. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even think of that till just now. Wow. But anyway, uh, I understand that they have to book more modern bands, and I, I actually didn't think Bruno Mars was that bad last year, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I've only heard a couple of Katy Perry songs, and you know, it's not my style of music, but I don't really think she's terrible, so I don't have an issue with it. And finally, before we get to our guest of the week, I would once again like to thank the Unicorn Wranglers for allowing me to use their song Twin Peaks from their upcoming album Murder Mystery Night as the official theme song of this podcast. And if you want to find out more information about them, uh, follow them on Twitter at Wranglers. Like them on Facebook, just search for the Unicorn Wranglers. They're on Instagram, just search for Wranglers. And finally, go to their website, unicornwranglers.com. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with Mr. Daniel Hemi. Here with my special guest this week, the Creative Service Director from WEAR Channel 3, Mr. Daniel Hemi. Daniel, how you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Sun's out. It's kind of warm. Uh, well, it's, it's Pensacola, so that's pretty much the norm. So it, it could be like 32 degrees tomorrow and then 70 on Sunday. It, it could be. It could be, yes. Now that I say that, it's probably going to happen. Well, you know, this last time I have to say I put out a sprinkler. I, I did that thing with like a, a misting sprayer, so the tree mm-hmm. was all icicly up in the morning, and uh, it, it was a success. I'm very I happy. saw the pictures. Yeah, that was pretty awesome awesome yeah yeah, it's about as close to christmas as you get as far as uh, the snow and the ice goes yeah that that is true i would love if we had snow here not like the ice storm that we had but just like legitimate snow i think would be pretty great it's a good bookmark for the seasons yeah everything else kind of blends after that yeah that is true so uh the first thing i wanted to ask you um where exactly are you from because i know on your facebook page it says you're from michigan correct yes yes uh i'm from the metro detroit area of of michigan so it's really the one location that the rest of the state identifies with although the rest of the state looks nothing like it uh but uh yeah yeah i grew up in the oakland county macomb county area in and out of the detroit uh what was that like? Everybody says they're from Detroit, even though they're not. But I'm more Detroit than Kid Rock. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, no, it was good. It's cool. It's it's an interesting uh, difference as far as what you'd see around here. Uh, when I had kind of scoped out the Pensacola area in like 95, I realized that I, I had no stories to tell here because mm-hmm. I wasn't used to sand in, in palm trees. I was used to... Uh, you know, uh, urban blight and, and, and snow. So right. I, I kind of had a, a, to go back up there for a little while though, to mess around and then finally get tired of the cold and come down here. Yeah. So when, when did you move to Pensacola? Uh, 2005, I believe. It was the year after Ivan. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, my first day at Channel 3. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, in fact, right before Dennis hit is when I, oh, okay. I closed. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, my first day at Channel 3, in fact, was the one-year anniversary of Ivan. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So. That's crazy. So, yeah, nice to be part of the history, but not that part. Yeah, yeah that was, uh, I mean, I talked with 
Christian Garman about it when I had him on my show. That was just one of those unreal experiences that you can't really fully explain it to the person that didn't go through it because you know they didn't go through it. But right. it, it's it, it was a very surreal thing, and even like the the floodings that happened back in April mm-hmm. that that was probably the closest I've been to like legitimately afraid of the weather since yeah. then. Cause I had actually just moved in here when the flooding happened. Oh, I really? lived here for maybe a week or so. Did you and, have and any happened. weird damage around here as far as Mm-mm. that goes? Oh, that's good. Well, luckily I'm on the second floor. So oh, well, that there, helped there me a little bit. That. But yeah, I just remember staring out the window that night and it just kept pouring and pouring and it just would not stop. And then there was the, the tornado yeah. That happened, uh, I think, like right around the uh, uh, scenic highway interstate exit. I believe was around. You where know, it happened. there was one even more downtown. It was probably about five, six years ago. And it, yeah, one downtown, very literally. It, really? Yeah. It's. Um, I don't remember that one. It was off of. I want to say it was off of Cervantes, but it tore the uh, a church up down there. I don't remember yeah, that one. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, gi- I don't want to give any exact geographic locations, just because you know. But I, I remember just really kind of being blown away because you know, to me, I don't think I've. Uh, you think of uh, a tornado happening in a, in a city-esque environment. Usually, it's more of a you know, it's Kansas something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, you think Kansas, Oklahoma, places like that. Right. So, um, growing up in Michigan, like, what were some of the things that you were into? Like, were you like a a nerdy kid? Were you into sports? Uh, like, what what kind of stuff were you into? No, well, definitely a nerd. Definitely a nerd. Uh, you know, you I think there's this set things that you do. It's clay. It's dinosaurs, and then you get into you know the movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I I was of a good age, so I got to see Star Wars in the theater. So that was you know a cool thing. Jaws, stuff like that. I remember being terrified of Jaws in my own bedroom. Uh, uh, but really, you know, when it comes down to film and TV, I kind of got into things a little early. Uh, a cousin of mine gave me a Dick Smith makeup kit when I was in like the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know who Dick Smith is, but Mm-mm. he's really the godfather of special effects makeup. Only just recently passed, in fact. But he did The Godfather, uh, Altered States, Exorcist, that oh, thing wow. where people get shot in the forehead and it all blows out. He made that. that that's really? That's his thing, yeah. Wow. So he really set the standards. There's Lon Chaney before him, and then there's uh, Dick Smith. So that basically started me uh, with being fascinated with TV and film. So I was kind of studying special effects makeup for years after that. Yeah, uh, eventually I got out of it for a little while because um, you know I figured I had to get a job that was a real job, uh, and I say that now because now I'm doing it as a real job to some point or another. But uh, but yeah, no sports. Always against sports. More like combat sports though, like um, you know paintball or, or you know martial arts or something like that. But but not so much a, a team sport guy. Track. I gotcha. Which is kind of lame, you know. You run and turn left, you know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but that, that's it. No, no, no real sports. Very geeky. Uh, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. But uh, Star Wars, I've got to ask about this. Like, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, well, that's a good one. I would actually think easy uh, Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. is really it. I might, might be a cliche, but it's pretty good. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the new ones coming out? I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, a fan of Star Trek and Star Wars, you know, so uh, what I've seen done with the Star Wars 
Star Trek, I'm sorry, Star Trek franchise, uh, it led me to basically be excited about what they might do with the Star Wars franchise. Uh, I'm also a big fan of the Marvel series and everything that they're doing with that with Disney. So really, all signs point to yes, that this is probably going to be uh, uh, the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a pretty bold statement, but I like it. There's a rumor going around that the first teaser for the new Star Wars is actually going to be out before the end of the year. Well, that seems reasonable. I, I'll yeah. be curious to see it. Um, uh, another thing, yeah, I try not. I, I, something I try not to do is watch too many trailers, too many teasers, things like that, uh, because it can kind of, you know, let the wind out of your sails as uh, as you go to see the movie. So I I might see it just to get an idea, but you know, it's going to be, you know, awesome. Yeah, Star Wars is kind of one of those things to me where. I want to see the first trailer for it, but I don't want to know too much right. about the story. Like, I want to watch this teaser just to kind of get the hype going. Right. But after that, I want to read as little as possible about it, just because I want to go in not knowing what to expect. Because to me, that's the best thing to do when you go see a movie. Because if you if you read too many reviews, it can kind of cloud your judgment. Exactly. And yeah, you start writing the story yourself, and then ends up not working out. So yeah, always the best policy. Yeah. So, did you go to school for film or television? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I tried. I went to school when I was like 19. There was a school in the area uh, called Specs Howard School of Broadcast Arts. And it's really kind of an industry school, vocational school. It's like eight, ten months. Uh, really concentrated five days a week, uh, hours a day, four or five hours a day. And I went to that first, and like, like I said, 19. Had to drop out because it cost more than money that I was making waiting tables. So then I uh, eventually went back when I was 24. Uh, and at that time, you know, I was um, volunteering at a cable access studio, went back to school there and really just kind of, I mean, four hours of sleep a night, maybe I was falling asleep at, uh, at red lights, stuff like that, but got through that. And then um, uh, that's when things really kind of opened up. I got a job uh, at that station and becoming the studio coordinator. And then just through happenstance and, and other uh, lucky events through uh, uh, hard work, uh, I guess. But uh, I became uh, what I am now, which uh, at the time I think really kicked off as being a, a film critic at one point, too. So Really? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, that's what it was. It was a school, great school. Recommend it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, fan of education, but I think sometimes there's an argument that could be made where you're wasting your time with this education versus that education, depending on the field. I, I, that that's true. Yeah, I, I've had that discussion with several people. Some think that you know, some will go as far as to say that those types of classes, as far as like production and film, are a joke, which I, I disagree with. But I do agree that there are some things that are best learned on the job. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think when it came down to Specs Howard, particularly, it was, like I said, four hours a day, five hours a day, five days a week for like months for a better part of the year. So when you compare that to what you might do at a university or what you might do at a, at a, at a college, the semesters are set up a little, well, actually quite loose when it kind of comes down to it, you know? So it's really more intense and it really is that hardcore, reality tv training that that puts you over the edge right yeah i'm kind of in the the gray area like i knew next to nothing about production before i went to college 
So that did a good job of teaching me the basics. And then everything else I've learned on the job, whether it be, you know, working baseball or film shoots or weddings, really anything. So I, I'm I'm a fan of both. Yeah. I think both are very, very important. Yeah, I think what actually for me, it helped because when I went, like I said, when I was 19, I did two, three months. And so I had that foundation. So I was able to basically ride that foundation until I went back when I was 24. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it was more or less just to get a piece of paper that said I knew what I was doing. I mean, I graduated with like above and beyond awards, stuff like that. You know, so I, mean, I, was, you know, I did well in the class. But again, that was because I had that little bit of foundation and the practicality of real life experience. Right. So it makes right. a difference. Yeah. So have you done any work in like the film field? I mean, I know you've done work in television. Yeah. But now, uh, part of the reason why I came to Pensacola was the film group that I was running with uh, ultimately left Detroit area and went out to L.A. But we uh, we did quite a few uh, independent films. And when I say films, it's all video. I think the only thing that we ever shot, or anything that was ever shot, was a uh, on film was like um, a sixteen millimeter, uh, or maybe it was eight millimeter. Anyways, it was a it was a concept trailer mm-hmm. for a, a Dungeons and Dragons takeoff called oh, nice. uh, Dorks and Dice. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was produced and directed by the uh, the Pierce brothers, Fro Bros, who uh, actually are the son of uh, the guy that did the stop animation for. Uh, Evil Dead. Oh, nice. So, so there was this kind of tie-in there. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we did independent projects like that. I think the last project that I did before I left was a collaborative effort. It was called um, Secrets of Fenville, where basically it was about seven different uh, producer-directors had their own little segment to make with these little tie-ins to other ones, which basically were like, had to have a secret, had to have two connections to somebody else's film, stuff like that. And it, kind of panned out to be a feature-length project. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was fun. It was a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Working on really any kind of film project is fun. Yeah. So um, you moved to Pensacola. Uh, how, when you moved to Pensacola, did you just kind of get the job at Channel 3 almost instantaneously, or did you work other jobs before you worked at Channel 3? No, no. Um, my wife came down with the money basically being a, a job transfer through the mortgage industry. So we're very much victims of the uh, mortgage industry bubble collapse at this point. Uh, but I came down, I was kind of like freelance up north, really. I, and so I didn't really have a solid, solid job. I made up my own schedule. So I figured at any rate I would come down here and be able to either make a job or find a job. Uh, it took maybe a couple of months, and then ultimately I had interviewed for a production assistant position at the station and they also had a photographer position for the news so went in for one interview got another interview got that job and and that's basically how it started but i was probably unemployed down here for about could be three months could be something like that uh, came down in june like i said might have been like august by the time i actually had the job right or september yeah, whatever it is. But yeah, it, it it seemed like a long enough period of time where I was getting nervous. Yeah, I totally understand that. So describe what your job is at Channel 3, because I mentioned you were the creative service director. So what exactly do you do at your job? Right. Well, the easiest explanation is there's a whole bunch of live news that happens. Mm-hmm. That's what I have nothing to do with. 
Everything else goes through the creative services department. So commercials, mm-hmm. uh, promotions for the station, for the news, uh, nonprofits that have their events that come up, uh, digital elements including you know little uh, banner ads, things like that. So basically everything that needs to be created in the in the media for uh, for the channel, but uh, but but not the uh, not the actual live newscast. So that that's basically it. So you do pretty much everything else but the news. Correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. cool. But the thing where it says uh, tonight at ten, blah blah blah, that mm-hmm. that goes through the creative services department. Cool. And cool. then uh, this portion of Channel Three News is brought to you by also uh, through the creative services department. But there's a whole nother team, like I said, the live newscast as many shows as they do, a whole nother beast. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. So before I forget, I wanted to ask you, because I remember hearing this when you were on uh, Christian's podcast, that uh, you're a horror fan? Yeah, well, that goes back to me doing uh, special effects makeup. So I've really been fascinated with horror. uh, And even there was another film project, Dead Undead, where Mm -hmm. I, uh, I got to do the special effects makeup for a feature length, you know. And um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really is kind of my first love. They got me into things. So either through trying to justify that, I don't know. Uh, I, I basically try to ar- articulate it the best way I can and saying how it's, you know, something to do with social commentaries, things like that. I think ultimately I've refined it to the zombie movie genre as, mm-hmm. uh, as being my uh, my calling card. So what are some of your favorite horror movies? Well, you know... Th- I had to go back to Christian's podcast, uh, Digital Downtime, available on SoundCloud and iTunes, by the way. Uh, Nice plug. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Jaws, I think, is a really good one, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, see, because I'm such a fan of horror across the board, it's really kind of hard to lock it down to one thing. It's because I'm locking it down to different flavors. You can't sit there and say, what's your favorite food? It's like, you know, pizza. You know, Mm -hmm. well, how many different types of pizza can you get, you know? So, you know, I grew up in the 80s uh, with, um, you know, all the horror, excessive gore. You know, Tom Savini was a big role model of mine. So, you know, those were fan favorites, Jason, Freddy, stuff like that. Not so much Michael Myers. uh, But I think if I was going to recommend any kind of horror movie for somebody today, I would say Shaun of the Dead is a good one because it's kind of funny, It's Mm -hmm. but it's still true to itself in its own movie. But... uh, you know, I, heck, I even had the chance to see Blair Witch right at the right time where it was creepy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, whatever kind of gets That movie edge. got massive publicity oh, yeah. when it came out. Like it, it was huge. I just remember seeing it everywhere, like on TV, uh, trailers in the movies, posters, uh, flyers. It, it was everywhere. Yeah. It was a huge, huge movie. Yeah, it defined a genre all into itself of horror movies. You know, that whole live action, you know, lost film. Oh, yeah, the, the, the found footage film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of came from that. Uh, they, 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 If there was something before it, it didn't matter because Blair Witch really nailed it. Yeah. You mentioned Shaun of the Dead, which I really like that movie. Have you seen Zombieland? Oh, yes, I have. What do you think of that movie? Because uh, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think in my head today, I was actually going through the checklist as far as, you know, number one rule. In fact, that's what it was. I was putting my seatbelt on. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was at an intersection, didn't have my seatbelt on, and it's a number one, number two rule, number three rule. Yeah, seatbelt. So, uh, no, great movie. Great movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to part two coming out. 
Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it, but if they bring back the original cast, I'm all for it. Yeah. Because Woody Harrelson was great. I mean, they, they all played off each other really well. Yeah. Like, it, it really surprised me as to how well they did. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, I'm actually kind of hoping Bill Murray comes back. Uh, that it, cameo was so good. Yeah, so if he comes back again, but this time as a zombie... You know, that would be pretty funny. That's actually... I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Because I remember that scene when they're driving to Hollywood and Woody Harrelson's like, yeah, we're going to stay at the A-list of A-lister's house. And his initials are BM, and it's not Bob Marley. And I was just sitting there. Because I, I, the first time I saw that movie, it was by myself. It was at like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, BM, and it's not Bob Marley. And I'm trying to figure it out. And then you see the picture, and I'm like, Oh, Bill Murray. Bill Sweet. Murray. And then he shows up, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. He played it well. <laughs> Freddie or Jason, which one do you like better? Oh, well, um, I think you have to go with Jason for the sympathy, which actually is the way they kind of played it down in the movie, too, uh, Jason versus Freddie. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you're talking about a child who is really just a victim, uh, mm-hmm. a victim of the situation, and then there's Freddie, who's a uh, dirty, rotten child killer. So you really kind of, that's your basis there. You know, I did watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street recently and I was like, man, this is actually really intense. Yeah. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah. And then you get, then I got to an end part. So now here I am, you know, how many years later watching it. And I realized that there's this huge time flaw at the end of the movie where like this whole sequence of events happens in 20 minutes. It was like, really? You have to go back and watch it. But from the time Johnny Depp gets, liquefied mm-hmm. to the time uh the mom uh or nancy anyways uh, is fighting freddy right. all takes place in 20 minutes which includes cops showing up which includes cops ordering reinforcements which includes i mean it was just like oh the whole montage sequence of her rigging the house with booby traps all that took place in 20 minutes so i was like eh, yeah i don't know why they did that one scene blew the whole thing up so yeah, that's unfortunate. It's 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 so so uh, so sad when your when your heroes you know become real. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, as far as those movies go, like I really like the originals, but as the sequels kept coming out, they became you know more campy. Yeah. and whatnot. But the original like Nightmare and Friday the Thirteenth to me are are really good. Right. I'm I'm not. I'm not a huge horror fan because I saw Leprechaun as a kid and that kind of steered me away from the horror genre. So yeah. it probably wasn't a good idea of me to do that. But yeah, well, you know, Leprechaun, it's, uh, it's <laughs> that's the one. It's, I mean, looking back at it now, it's more of a comedy than yeah, a horror it's movie. A little, but, it's very campy. But when you're like, you know, a little kid and you see it, then yeah. it scares the crap well, out of you. Well, like, I like the Stan Winston stuff too. You oh, know, yeah. Like, Stan you know, Winston was great. Predator and Alien. Oh, yeah. It was big monster. If, if I had an overall genre outside of zombies and zombies with their own monster, but it would be the big monster stuff. Like Pumpkinhead, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I've, I've been traumatized by, by leprechauns too much. <laughs> What's funny is I found out uh, like years later. When I went to Disney for Star Wars weekend, I met Warwick Davis, who ended up playing Leprechaun, and I didn't know that, because I knew him as Wicked the Ewok, and a guy that was in front of me in line had the Leprechaun DVD, and I'm like, why does he have Leprechaun? And then I looked it up, and I'm like, holy crap, Warwick Davis was the Leprechaun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm... I'm 
learn something new every curious day. Curious in how he feels about that. Uh, I mean, it, any work is work, you know. But yeah, that, uh, that is I, true. I, I'm curious if that if that uh, ranks up there. But he's he's definitely had some iconic roles outside of that. Oh yeah, Wicked the Ewok, and then he was in Harry Potter. So he's been in two mm-hmm. massive franchises. Willow. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Right, right. Well, that's him, right? I yeah. think so. Right. I think so. Yeah. And uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we had the zombie run, I saw a photo of like you, I guess you covered the, the zombie run for channel three. Yeah. Or were you just there as a fan? Uh, both, both. both? Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I shot it for news and, and then took a couple pictures just because that was fun to do. Uh, yeah. When it comes down to the zombie run thing, it's, it's actually kind of a, a hard thing to start up. I've seen so many people do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the, the Pensacon people came and started doing what they've been doing, and what they've been doing has been just phenomenal stuff for the community, and you know for the the event itself, uh, they actually just been kind of doing it right. I think mm-hmm. uh, the uh, I was there for the one that they did like with two weeks worth of planning in mm-hmm. uh, in February, which was funny because the whole thing just kind of like blew up. You know, I mean it was a yeah. good floor show, but then as soon as everybody started running, they ran. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's just, just kind of a fan trying to support that extra little, uh, uh it's such a genius concept. The zombie uh, run yeah, itself. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. such a great idea. Eventually I want to run it myself. Uh, the, the one you were talking about, the one that happened right before Pensacon, I was actually, uh, part of the camera crew and just seeing the turnout and everything was just great. And then the turnout for this past one was good too. Right. I actually worked the, uh, I don't know if you went around to the actual route or whatever, but on this last one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you remember the one that was set up like a, a traffic jam? Was that right there? By it was, it was towards Holland? the end. Um, no, it was a little farther down. No, I, I, it, I might've missed that one. I think I cut it short to see some of the finish line stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cause we, we had set up one. It was in front of the federal building. Okay. And we set up like a, a traffic jam. And, uh, that one was kind of interesting because it reminded me of, season one of the walking dead when they're walking down the interstate and you see all the empty cars and everything. Yeah. So it kind of brought me back to, uh, back to that moment, but it was, it was really good. Like little events like that to me are a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And, and the overall fascination to zombies right now, zombies are definitely a flavor of the day. And like you say, the cool thing about horror movies, they're, they timestamp themselves with what is really scaring people. That's, that's how the marketing works. If it's, not realistic, believe it or not, you're not going to be afraid. So zombie films are basically um, mass hysteria, social panic type of movies. Like Night of the Living Dead was a civil rights movie. Dawn of the Dead is this anti-consumerism film. And, and so uh, right now with the, the state of America and well, actually po- in, the, in the post 9-11 world, zombie movies really have been uh, taking off because people have just been freaking out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why you're seeing the you know the fan base come out the way they have been. Yeah, that's true. So we were talking before we started recording. You actually went to Pensacon this yes. past year to do social media for the station. Was that a lot bigger than you thought it would be? Uh, actually, no. And, and I mean that in the sense that I knew it was just going to be big. It is really what it kind of comes down to. I had done cons before, like Motor City Con, stuff like that up in, in Michigan. I was a regular up there covering it for... Uh, entertainment events so when i saw that pentagon had already started promoting things through uh 
outdoor billboards, things like that, like a year in advance, you know, and, and then once they started laying out their guest list, stuff like that, I mean, you could see it was going to be it. And it's one of the reasons why I was there uh, on behalf of the station, because I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we were a part of it, because I think uh, the community as as a, as a whole might not have realized what it was, you know, uh, what it was going to be. And I think at the end of it, I think it raised like $1.5 million to the community in, like, like in a three, four day period, just because 90% of the people that came, came from like out of the area. You know I mean? It, it, was, a, mm-hmm. it was a huge influx. So, uh, yeah. So basically it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And it was huge. Yeah. I remember Saturday, the visual was just amazing because I walked up to the top of the base center and just, <clears throat> excuse me look down at the vendor floor and just seeing all the people that are having to sit in seats and wait because we could only have a certain amount of people on the floor before it was too packed. So when a group would leave, another would come down the stairs and then be able to look around. And that was just, it was kind of a surreal view to be honest, because I, I wasn't expecting it to be that big. Yeah. Uh, it was it was definitely a great day. Actually, the chairs for me were great because you got to sit down for a while and just observe things, you know. And then the nice thing about this business is it's very voyeuristic. You know, you get to sit there and, and just watch people. And then that uh, event definitely brought the show. Yeah, and I, I think this upcoming one is going to be even bigger. I'm I'm wondering. I'm really now that people have got a, a taste of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really wondering if it's going to be bigger and I believe it will be. And I'm just wondering how big I, I love particularly this last time than the first one where it spilled out. It was, you know, beyond the, the Bay center. It was beyond mm-hmm. the, uh, the hotel, which was cool that, you know, the proximity to the way people are working back and forth. But the fact that it, it bled downtown was, was, was just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's another thing we were talking about too, were the various theme parties they had at like vinyl, tin cow, uh, O'Reilly's. And it, it was just, it was really cool to see because it, it took over the entire town for a weekend. Yeah. It, and, it, it reminded me of like a film festival where it just takes over yeah. the entire you know area. So I, I hope I, we see more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, they've already got some great guests lined up, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I've already got my checklist. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, who's on your checklist? Well, Ohura, of course, you know, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're yeah. there and, uh, uh, and, and I'm actually, I'm embarrassed to say I can't think of the guy's name right now, but, uh, Candyman. Uh, he also played like several characters on, on Star Trek as well. So, uh, yeah, horrible. It's bad to name drop when you can't remember the names, but there's definitely a list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Uhura is definitely on there. Um, Michael Bean, I'm excited to meet because I, I like the Terminator movies a lot, and he was in Terminator 1. There, And growing up in the early 90s, I was a huge Power Rangers fan, so getting to meet all of them is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, they had a pretty good turnout last time around, actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be cute. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll be curious. And actually, I'm sorry. I'm just actually blown away by people being uh, uh, fans of Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. Because it just kind of missed me. But like, uh, what it made me think of was like we had like Ultraman. And mm-hmm. I'm like, back in my day, I mean, I'm not that much older, but just a generation or a couple yeah. of years earlier, they had like Ultraman and Johnny Sacco and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that was kind of like my thing. So Voltron even. So, mm-hmm. uh, so. Yeah, it was kind of like Power Rangers, although hugely successful. Uh, we're always just kind of this like hack 
rip off to me, you know, so. Yeah, because I didn't know until I think I was in high school that all the fight scenes were actually just ripped straight from a Japanese show. Oh, really? And I'm, no. like, and I'm like, well, that kind of ruins it for me a little bit. Genius. Yeah. It, it was a genius idea. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that came out in 93 and it was huge. It, I mean, well, no, it was huge. I mean, lo- looking back <laughs> on it. I mean, the, the show itself is, is extremely dated mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's not the greatest production wise, but, I mean, kids loved it. Yeah, no, very literally, it threw back to those other shows, you know, I mean, giant Godzilla-esque, you know, robots and miniature cities and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was very much a throwback in style. But I, I have to confess, I did see the movie in theaters when it came out. Oh, yeah, I did so, too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so production, not, production was a little bit better. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I think I might even have their song that they had in the trailer on my iPod. I'm, 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 yeah, so, <laughs> although I'm, you know, kind of dissing it, eh, uh, I watched good. it, I watched it. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. So one of the last things I wanted to ask you, um, who came up with the idea to do the Friday Night Rivals uh, high school football thing? Well, actually, there was a a, a couple of guys that started doing football. Channel 3's parent company, St. Clair Broadcasting Group. Mm -hmm. It's it's a rather large network of um, of broadcast stations, if not the largest in, in America. So... That's kind of how it came through is through that family network. The um, two guys that really kind of headed it up went freelance for a while and then basically grew it into something and then kind of came back to uh, St. Clair and it became a St. Clair wide initiative. So I think we were like one of 14 markets across the country uh, that were doing it. We were like one of like maybe three or four that were doing it for the first season this last year. So that really, I have to say, made a difference just because they kind of came with a blueprint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, your role was uh, the producer. The producer. So what exactly does a producer do? Uh, A lot of nothing except sweat uh, is really what it kind of comes down to. It's it's a sad, sad, pathetic position. It's... uh, what the producer does is basically just brings all the pieces together is mm-hmm. what it is. So makes the phone calls, kind of lines things up. Um, efficiency and quality is, is always up for debate. But, but basically that's the gist of it. So I was, I mean, with this particular project in this particular city, I mean, it was a little bit of a, of a thing to, to bring together. We had to drive out to Alabama just to get inside the, the, the live truck to train up a little bit. So there's, there's, there's training aspect, making sure the, um, the marketing stuff got uh, worked the way it was supposed to get worked, you know, which includes like you know everything from uh, uh, Bob Tyler instant replay to the uh, the ever popular uh, delivery zone with Papa John's. Papa John's delivery zone, yeah. yeah. Promo code rivals. Exactly. So so that's basically it. Just making sure people show up, making sure things get done, and uh, you know hopefully uh, help out a little bit along the way. You know, so uh, carry a couple things here here and there. Yeah. And uh, how do you think Friday Night Rivals as a whole went? Oh, I think it was smashing success. I I do. Uh, WFGX is the sister station that nobody knows about. Even when you introduced uh, me, and by no fault of your own, it's WEAR, Creative Services Director, but really it's WEAR, ABC3, and WFGX35. Mm -hmm. And that station's been there for years. 
and but not a lot of people know about it. But this particular year, it's been kind of a good year for it. Uh, Walking Dead is now on Wednesday nights. So I noticed can, that the other day. I was like, know, "Wow, that's impressive." Yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, my stations across the country that have uh, been playing it have actually, for the first time, have been moving to number one positions. Uh, we also have like uh, uh, other live, uh, not live, but uh, first run programming on it now too. But locally, and really, that's what your local TV is all about. Uh, it it did gangbusters because more people watched it for Friday Night Rivals than uh, well, for a lot of other things. And also, another shameless plug: you can catch your news, your local Northwest Florida news, on WFGX at nine o'clock Monday through Friday with. Uh, uh, Lena De Flores and Alan Strum on weather. So always remember you have that extra option before uh, going to bed at night. That is true. Yeah, I remember uh, like first working the Friday Night Rivals thing. I thought it was a great idea because people here love their sports, especially high school sports and football. So I was like, you know, this this is a great idea, and I was surprised that it hadn't been done sooner. So the first game I ran the uh, score bug. Which is funny enough because at the Wahoos, I ran every production uh, position except for Scorebug. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was like, I, like I actually had to refrain from laughing when you first asked me to do that because I'm like, that's just funny how that works out. And then I started doing stats, and I was like, well, I mean, I I know what football stats are, but I've never actually done them, and I don't know if I've told you the story. But the first game that I did stats, it was at uh, Pensacola High. We were on top of the press box. I had downloaded this app on my iPad, put in all the player names and everything, and it was supposed to flow through like a regular game. After the second play, the app crashed oh. and didn't save anything. So pen and paper is really So that's at. how I started the pen and paper thing. And it was kind of a struggle at first, but after like halftime, I you know, worked out the little system that I used for the rest of the season. So, I mean, it was, it was a fun experience. I mean, it was getting to do something different. Well, it's funny that you say that because you were kind of like this comical character to me on, on the set. (laughs) Cause you know, everybody's there. And again, I, I, this is how I see the world is like its own little TV show, but you know, you showed up, you were quiet, you did things actually efficiently. And then you, you laughed, you know, when you were supposed to. So, yeah, you were kind of like this go-to guy for these little things that had to be done that maybe there wasn't a position for and nobody had any experience for and not knowing actually that you didn't have experience for it. It's kind of funny at this point. But everybody spoke well, and that's why uh, you uh, ultimately got the job anyway, so, which is important to always be good at your job and don't be a jerk because yeah. uh, it could make a difference between you getting a job and not getting a job. And after that first game, you were probably like, how does this guy have a podcast? He doesn't say anything. I was curious, actually. (laughs) That was exactly... I I have gotten that, actually. It's it's pretty funny. But, I mean, it was was a lot of fun doing that. I mean, if we do Friday Night Rivals next year, I'll do stats again. I'll do pretty much whatever. Yeah, well, we're definitely doing it again. And and I would just actually be incredibly grateful if uh, everybody came back to do it again because it was a good crew. Uh, it, uh, there's always room for doing better. And uh, oh, yeah. w- with Absolutely. this, like I said, this one, we were just happy to get it off the ground and get it on the air. And uh, the weather worked out for us, and we had uh, actually great teams and, and great cooperation from the schools. So, I mean, really was a, a, a perfect storm in, in the yeah. best sense of the way. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. And I remember, because I, I recorded all the games on my DVR, and especially after uh, the first game, I came home and I watched a little bit of the replay just because you know, I wanted to see the camera work and everything. I'm like, well, this actually, I mean, it looks legitimate. Yeah. And, and it, it obviously got better as the season went on. And by the end, it's like, it looked really good. Yeah. I expect uh, we'll have everything worked out as far as extra little bugs and stuff like that. So by next year, it'll probably look like, well, just a smaller version of, of what you'd expect to see on regular football games on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, thank you for stopping by and doing this interview. It was a lot of fun. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to uh, join the roster of uh, famed names uh, on your list. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Daniel. You're welcome. And thank you once again to Mr. Daniel Hemi for coming on the show for that really fun conversation. And next week, don't forget, we will be moving back to Thursdays. So next week's show will be on Thursday, December the 4th. And as far as this week goes, you can check out the other shows on the Nerd Cave Network. You've got the Nerd Cave Podcast, which will be on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, we'll have Fist of Monkey. And that's all I've got. So have a very safe holiday weekend. Try not to eat too much turkey. And we'll see you guys next Thursday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.